My message today is called, It's Time for a Reset. Um, I actually started to write it and prepare it before the election, knowing that it probably wouldn't be a normal election. But as, as bizarre as this election has been to all of us, I want to tell you that it's no surprise to God. People feel that they can't trust our government, they can't trust the media, they feel that, feel that you can't trust anyone anymore. It's a sad reality of today. The force that has been driving this country, if not the world, is no longer the optimism of hope, but rather the pessimism of despair. One of the biggest realizations in our last two elections is that it seems that more people are now voting against someone instead of simply voting for someone. In other words, we are led more by our anger and our judgment of others than by our love and our hope for others. Political debates, as you know, have become an assault on one's character, judgments, criticisms, accusations, and refusal for any sense of common decency or respect. We have lost the ability, it's sad to say, to listen to opposing viewpoints and to just disagree respectfully. Instead, we, the public included, tear down our opponents, spread gossip, accusations about them, calling them names, instead of just disagreeing and focusing on our beliefs all the more. And it's not just in politics. How many of you, ever, how many of you have ever heard someone say, my two favorite teams are the University of Michigan and whoever is playing Ohio State? Is that just a joke? Well, consider the motivation of people watching hockey games hoping to see a fight or the sensationalism of crashes in auto racing, people being beat to within an inch of their life and watching MMA fights, and bench-clearing brawls in other sports. People are drawn to that violence. This is the narrative that has sought to undergird all areas of life. And again, it is not a surprise to God. In fact, Jesus even prophesied about this very phenomenon. In the 24th chapter of Matthew, Jesus taught about future events that would unfold as we got closer to the second coming of Jesus. So here's the good news. Jesus is coming back for His church, the body of Christ. That's what we are to be waiting and watching for as we just sang. But Jesus talked about what would happen as we get closer to that time. In Matthew 24, verse 19, He said, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and hate one another. Now it's up for debate on whether these verses are describing this exact time in history, or if this is an ongoing prophecy, or if it's yet to be fulfilled completely. But it's hard to deny how close they are to what is happening right now. Indeed, many have been offended and live in offense from the political climate, the social movements of today, the laws and declarations of equal rights for all lifestyles and beliefs, the political arena, the sports world, 
the entertainment industry, and people in all forms of businesses and operations continue to betray one another with their words and their actions. And hate has become the driving force in so many conversations where there is a difference of opinion. It's no longer I disagree with you, it's I can't stand your, your argument and I'm going to say things about you. That's changed. There's so much has changed. If we are not at this prophetical point in time for this verse, then I shudder to think how bad it will be when we actually get there. Right now, our world is driven by offense and betrayal and hatred. And yet the prophecy continues. Matthew 24, verse 20. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. A prophet is one who is called to speak for God. If God's mouthpiece, that God speaks to that person, then they speak to tell the people and to teach the people. They tell the word, world what God is currently saying to His people. The number of false prophets and false teachers in the church is growing. Religious leaders who claim that God has told them something, but it never happens. A couple weeks ago, televangelist Pat Robertson said that God told him that Donald Trump would win this election without question. And I know that some of you will say that the election is still being decided in courts. And Pat Robertson could still be right. Regardless if that's true, let me draw your attention to the fact that in 1976, Robertson prophesied that the world would end in 1976. Obviously, it did not. In a book he wrote in 1990, he said that God told him that the world would be destroyed on April 29, 2007. It did not. There have been many preachers and teachers and televangelists and authors that predicted the end of the world, and they prophesied it. And even worse, they said, God told me to get people to come along and to follow him, and it did not happen. Was God wrong? Did he really tell Robertson and many others that these things that they never took place? Did God just change his mind and not go through with it? Of course not. Yet millions of people still follow false prophets and false teachers even though they have blasphemed God by saying that God told them something and then teaching people to believe and follow their beliefs. Now, I'm not saying that we should follow the Jewish law when it comes to dealing with false prophets. But I want to show you what God instructed in the Old Testament regarding this matter. Deuteronomy 18.20 But the prophet who who presumes to speak a word in my name, basically telling other people that that God told them, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. You see, they were instructed to put away from themselves false prophets. Again, I am not encouraging that, but I am wondering why we still listen to people who have said that God told them something, and He obviously did not. The Israelites were commanded to put away false prophets who said they spoke for God. 
People were not to give them any more heed or any more attention. Yet millions and millions of people still follow false prophets and false teachers who have again and again proven to be wrong even though they claim that God told them. And yet the words of Jesus continue. Matthew 24, verse 21. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. It's a very sad reality that we have seen so much lawlessness in the world. And now, right here in our country, so much hate, so much anger, so much judgment, the love of many indeed is beginning to grow cold. Is there hope? Is there any chance for the body of Christ to rise up in the world and be that needed contrast in the midst of our current darkness? Of course there is. That's why we're here. The church that is led by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God Almighty, is the hope of the world. As the body of Christ, we are the hope of the world. This is the message that Jesus came to proclaim. When the world seemed so very dark and many lived in despair when Jesus came, Jesus hit the reset button. Jesus reset mankind, not out of violence and overthrowing the government, but He reset mankind by loving others, by forgiving sinners, by embracing lepers, by restoring prostitutes, by spending time with the outcasts. That was His plan from the very beginning. In fact, His plan to do just that was prophesied by Isaiah many years before His arrival to the Holy Land. Luke 4.16 Do you remember this when Jesus began His ministry? Luke 4.16 It says, So Jesus came to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Verse 17, And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus came with the power of the Holy Spirit to preach the Gospel. You know what the Gospel is? It's the good news. To preach the good news to the poor. He emphasized the power of good instead of the anger of the bad. We are still called today to share the good news. And we have the greatest news of all time, don't we? That Jesus came to save that which is lost. That no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, no matter how bad you messed up, or how hopeless you are, Jesus can redeem you and restore you if you put your trust in Him and choose to follow Him daily. That's the good news that we have. Jesus came 
to die for our sins. Even while we were still sinning, Jesus died for us, the Bible says. That's true love. He died for our sins so that we don't have to face the punishment and the separation of God for eternity. On the contrary, when we accept the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalves, when we confess that we have sinned because we all have sinned, and that we need Jesus, then the good news is that He forgives us. He restores us. He redeems us. And He loves us from this world, through this world, and into next world for all eternity. That's good news. A lot of people need to hear good news because all they're hearing right now, as the media says, is fake news. People don't trust the news. Well, we have the news that you can trust. It is the good news. It is the gospel. It is what God has called us to share. It's why Jesus came to, to teach the gospel to the poor. Jesus also came to heal the brokenhearted. He did this by the power of the Holy Spirit and by teaching the Word of God with truth and love. Listen, this is still our mission today and we have our work cut out for us. We need to love others. We need to forgive others. We need to teach the Word of God to others. We need to pray with others and for others and keep sharing the good news with the world. There are many brokenhearted today from a variety of circumstances. Yet we have the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ who is magnified in hearts and homes and churches and communities by the power and by the love of the Holy Spirit. You need to understand that you cannot just love someone in your own strength, especially when they've hurt you. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we stay submitted to God, God allows us to love others and to forgive others and to connect with others and to pray for others. That's the Spirit doing that when we submit ourselves to God. Jesus also came to proclaim liberty to the captives. There are many today who are bound in despair, bound in shame, bound in judgment, and in need of truth and love and forgiveness. As we extend Christ's love to them, we continue to walk out this prophecy by allowing Jesus to move through us as well. Jesus was anointed to do those things, and when we stay submitted to Him and love others like He did, then Jesus is still working through us to touch the world and to change hearts and to restore lives. Jesus came to restore the sight to the blind. There are many today who are blinded to the truth of God. They have hooked their wagons to a man or a woman or a movement or a false teaching, or an ideal that has led them further away from God and has not brought them peace. We need to teach the truth in love. That is what we are commanded to do. This is how we become Jesus to the world. Listen, it's time for a reset. And if we truly are the body of Christ and the family of God, we must be up to this task. If we are to truly set at liberty those who are oppressed, we can't continue to put all of our eggs in a political basket 
and let our dreams and hopes rise or crash on the leadership of a certain man or a certain woman. The only way to truly be at liberty, liberty is to be committed to Jesus Christ and choose to follow in His footsteps daily. You've heard me say it before when I talk about God being sovereign. He's on the throne. He doesn't get startled when things happen down here. He doesn't step off the, at the throne and say, oh my. He is sovereign. When we put our trust in Him, He is our rock. He is our foundation. We should not be moved or shaken by what happens here. Yes, we're going to have opinions and, and thoughts and, 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 and agreements and disagreements, but we need to understand that God is in control. Amen? Jesus came to bring liberty. If we call ourselves Christians, shouldn't we be doing the same thing by the Spirit of God in our lives? Luke 4, verse 20. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. They weren't expecting that. But now they were touched by God's Word. Luke 4.21 And He began to say to them, Today, this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He fulfilled the prophecy of God. But it didn't end with this reading for Jesus. He didn't just proclaim something and say, Hey, I did it. That's where the work began. He fulfilled this prophecy, and then after He proclaimed it, He lived it. You see, church, we need to not just say we're going to do things or say the right things or talk to Christianese and then not live it. God is calling us to be the church, to live the church, to live the gospel, to demonstrate forgiveness, to demonstrate love, to be Jesus to this world. Jesus proclaimed it and then He lived it. In the Sermon on the Mount, He told people to turn the other cheek. Not taught much these days. But to turn the other cheek and to, to the one who wants to borrow, give to that person. Give them double. He told them to love your enemies. To pray for your enemies. This is how Jesus sought to reset the world to prepare the way for Him and for His love to prevail. Even at the point of His arrest and crucifixion, when Peter drew his sword to violently defend Jesus against the Roman authorities, Jesus was stern in his response to Peter. He said to Peter, put away your sword, for all who live by the sword will die by the sword. Yet somehow this message has been lost today by many Christians who choose to respond to oppression with anger instead of love, and simply trusting God and God alone. When Jesus was falsely accused, arrested, charged, and sent to death, He opened not His mouth. He didn't say, but, but, or just, just, or that's not true. He didn't open His mouth. Thus His silence was louder and more powerful than the shouts of others. Jesus was obedient to the point of death. He willingly chose to let His flesh be crucified by not allowing it to direct His decisions and His path. Church, 
It's time that we begin to live like Jesus. By not allowing our flesh, our anger, our disappointment, our opinions, our feelings, direct our decisions and our path. Notice how Paul responded when he came to this same realization. Galatians 2, verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He wasn't talking about the physical crucifixion. He was talking about I've crucified the desires of my flesh. Even though my flesh is going to crave for things and is going to demand things and is going to complain, I've crucified it. I've not let it speak. I, I do not direct my life by what my flesh says. I've crucified it so that I can follow God. Is it possible that all that stuff that's going on right now, that it's all part of God's will to get us all to realize that we can't put our trust in man or woman to save us, to direct us, to restore us. Psalm 118, verse 8, middle of the Bible, says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. This is the truth of God in His Word. We are to trust the Lord, not our reasoning, not our feelings, or the dictates of our flesh. We have to say yes to God and say no to our flesh. How are you going to respond to what's going on right now? How have you been responding? Are you letting your flesh dictate where you're going in your response? This is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 13, verse 14. It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. I guarantee the flesh is going to want you to argue and complain and criticize and accuse and blame, and it will get you further and further away from God, and we'll, and we'll begin to fulfill that prophecy that the love of many, including us, will begin to grow cold. The world needs Jesus right now. They need to be loved. Yes, we can disagree on the truth of God. Yes, we should be sharing the truth of God in love. Yes, we are not to compromise the teachings of God. And we're going to disagree. And that's okay. But we can do so in love. We need to love others. We need to forgive others. The world needs to be forgiven. Our country needs to be forgiven. It is severely divided right now. Many people believe there is no hope because in the world itself there is no hope. But in Christ is all our hope. It's a tall order. But with the Holy Spirit filling us and leading us and moving through us as we stay submitted to Him, the body of Christ can rise up and be the hope of the world and point the world to Jesus. But make no mistake about it. We have some work to do. And it begins with a humble heart, repenting of our sins, turning to God. He alone is our answer 
to Him alone we must turn. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. God says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Church, this is to us. We need to repent of putting all our trust in a man or a woman or a movement or, a, or, or, or something else. We need to put our trust in God. Yes, we're going to vote for leaders. And yes, we're going to pray for our leaders. And yes, we're still going to live in the society. But we need to put our trust in God and live like it. I'm going to say a short prayer right now. If any of you feel led to pray, I'd encourage you to come up here and pray. And I'll wait a little bit. And if you want to read a Bible verse, that's a form of prayer as well. But as a body, we're going to come and pray to God right now. Heavenly Father, we come to You. We acknowledge that we've not always put our trust in You. We repent of that. We repent for not being close to You. Forgive us, God. Pray for, we pray for our nation. Bring us healing. We put our trust in You, God. I'm going to ask anyone else who's willing to pray to, to do that. To either stand up where you're at or come up here and pray. And when you're all done, I will close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the words and the anointing that you have given to our pastor this morning. That he has shared with us how we should be feeling, how we should be trusting in God and not what is going on around us. I pray, Lord, that churches that have closed would open their doors because people need to come to Jesus they can't find it in their own living room sometimes, but they need to come to church and hear the word and hear of God's confidence that he will be able to give, give them the right way to go, the right way to think, and to give them a way to love him in worship. I just pray, Lord, that people who have fallen away from church have found another way to go which is not helpful, which is not healthy. And I pray, Lord, that as we hear the words of our pastor, that we be thankful that he is one who is giving us the words of Christ and not of someone else. I just pray, Lord, for this day to be one that we can remember of how we should be thinking, how should we be, how we should be treating other people, how should we be thinking of ourselves. And I pray, Lord, that you would just give each and every one peace in their hearts in knowing that Jesus is the one who is going to lead the way. And his way is the right way. And we just thank you, Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you. You've heard our hearts, whether it was spoken out loud or, or quietly, heart to heart. You know where we are at, God. And though we make mistakes and judgments and thoughts and words, you forgive us. 
because you love us. And you want to restore us so that we can restore people who need you right now. So Lord God, whether we're here or present, whether we're at home, following along online, whether we're worshiping you, it doesn't matter to you. But you do want us to focus on you. To turn our eyes upon Jesus. So that the things of this world will fade away and we can see your glory. So Lord God, restore us. We pray for our nation at this time. We pray for leadership, that you would be with whoever is in office, that you would guide them by your word and by your spirit. We pray for every governing office, whether it's nation or state, city, county, village, that people would be led by your spirit and led by truth. We intercede on their behalfs. Lord, help us to not complain. Help us to trust. Lord, help us not to judge, but help us to hope. Help us to not criticize, but help us to stand on the Word of God and spread the good news that people need to hear. We understand much is out of our control, but it is in our control to love. Lord God, we thank You for loving us. We thank You for blessing this church and this community. Lord God, I pray now that in our hearts that You would fan the flame in our hearts to love others, to forgive others, to pray for others, to reach out to others, to call others, to write letters to others, to not give up on others. We thank You, God, for restoring us and giving us a task I pray now, God, for a boldness in each of us. Just like Jim said, give me the words. Give me the path. Give me the direction. Lord God, by Your Spirit, may You empower us to live for You and to bring this country, this community, in line under You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.